0: Welcome to On the Line with the AMA, the official podcast of the American Motorcyclist Association. I'm Alexandra Terhorst. On today's show, we're talking with Hall of Famers Debbie Evans and Gary Davis. For decades, Evans and Davis have wowed movie and television audiences as professional stunt riders. Their names may not be household words like the stars they double for, but their credits include numerous box office blockbusters and popular television shows. Davis and Evans started out, like most motorcyclists, with a love of riding, but it was their skill and determination that carried them right to the top.
1: As you well know, I started riding when I was six and competing when I was nine in motorcycle trials competition, and I rode enduros out in the desert with my dad, and I was very, very active as a kid, and I loved anything physical. A guy named Gene Hartline, who was a stuntman and a flat track racer, was stunt coordinating a show, and they needed a girl who could jump a 30-foot ravine on a motorcycle and do all this riding on these futuristic-looking bikes. And he was perplexed because they really didn't have anybody that was a woman at that (laughs) level of riding because of my motorcycling i rode for yamaha from the age of 15 i was factory sponsored by yamaha and i also do this little trick where i stand on my head on the seat of my motorcycle while it's balanced without a kickstand and so i had gone to the houston astrodome and for uh, the motocross races and the camel pro series and been to Pontiac, Overdome, and all these different places doing that for Yamaha. So I had a lot of press and publicity. I was also the first woman expert trials rider. So there was a lot of press with Cycle News and a lot of the Dirt Bike and Dirt Rider and all those different magazines. So my dad happened to be sponsored by Montesset and Art Varda, who was also a flat tracker, was the importer for Montessa at the time, and he was a friend of Gene Hartline. So Gene called Art and talked to Art and said, you know, I got this problem. I really need a girl who can do all this stuff on a motorcycle. I just don't know who to call. And he said, oh, just call Dave. And you you should get Debbie. Here's the number. And uh, he called and my dad handed me the phone and I went and tried out, and I was perfect double and had no trouble with the bike, and I never looked back. I think I was signed up for my second year of junior college, and I actually don't think I even withdrew from my classes because I'd found what I'd been training for my whole life and didn't know it.
2: Yeah, and it worked out good for you, didn't it, Deb? <laughs>
1: yeah it was a wonderful thing for me because I was working on the show and it went on from September of 77 all the way into like February of 78. And it was like a training ground for me. I was working with all these great motorcyclists and stunt performers. Dick Mann was on the show. And uh, I mean, I was just thrilled to meet him it it was like I would learn a little bit and I would learn just enough to ask more questions and so it was like going to stunt school and getting paid to do it
2: I started like you did you know I had made all my publicity as a motorcycle jumper being Knievel's rival we would yell at each other and why we the sports and stuff and and I never thought about anything to do with Hollywood just like you never did and I uh, did just came a call from a man named John Strong who was a producer for Viacom and CBS at the time and he said we have this uh, pilot we're going to do for a series and we need someone that'll jump 120 feet while they blew both ramps up and it actually sounded (laughs) intriguing to me (laughs) right I mean uh, I I get it right right I mean because it was new to us and We were both pretty good at that time, so I showed up, and and I loved the fact that instead of me traveling around the country and paying all these guys to travel with me and paying them per diems and all that stuff to set my ramp, I was being flown first class everywhere and put in nice hotels and paid per diem, and and they fed me, so I went, this is a great new business, and they said, and by the way, our our star playing Evil Knievel is Sam Elliott, to my knowledge, it's probably the only thing he's ever done without a mustache. <laughs> you know, if I show you pictures, <laughs> you won't recognize him. You know, he, he was, of course, still great looking then. But it was my first guy I ever doubled and we're still friends today. So it's, that's kind of cool.
0: Gary got started in the stunt riding business a few years before Debbie, but it wasn't long before they met and became friends.
2: When you and I first got acquainted in the picture business, I was wearing a lot of blouses in those days. You were new in the business. I had been in the business about three years by that point, and I there were no girls that rode. I mean, that's why Gene Hartline had trouble. You know, he pulled in the right person. He pulled in you, and... I was so elated. (laughs) And then we got to do the spinoff of Chips, as you remember very well. (laughs) It's one of my favorite pictures. It's on my phone.
1: (laughs) I know. That is just hysterical. I just remember you going to lunch. We were all going to lunch, and you had your dress on and you went over the back of a chair and the back of your dress got stuck on the back of the chair and you sat down. It's like, he is such a dude. Uh, yeah, I, was,
2: I wasn't I was very feminine, was I?
1: I think you got me on, Chip. Yes. Because yeah. I had been in the CBS stunt competition against nine of the top guys in Hollywood and I tied for second overall with the car race, the motorcycle race, and the horse race, all with aspects of stunts. And I think you saw that I was capable of doing things. And uh, you talked to good old Paul Knuckles, and, and I loved working on that show. And I have to thank you for that. Cause that was
2: <laughs> Well, that was that was a training ground for both of us, though, because we both came in with great motorcycle credit. But, you know, the other jobs came a little bit slower because there was other people. Now, you had a better shot at it than I did, because you were the most talented woman we've ever brought in, as far as I was concerned. Thank you. On Chip, well, it's the truth, Deb. On Chips, on one of those off-road ones we did, (laughs) there's a cutaway in a dirt road, and, and we're up on the cutaway. We're eight or nine feet in the air, which may not sound very high to a lot of people. And there were you and four other guys on dirt bikes and stuff, and we're up there talking and getting ready, and they say, go back to one. Everybody starts to turn around. You just pop the clutch, leap off, drop down eight feet onto the road, and you're ready to go. And all the other guys are going, okay, this girl's not the best girl motorcycle rider. She's possibly the best motorcycle rider on the set, you know? So, <laughs>
1: I, I totally didn't even remember that. It just. Oh, yeah. That's funny.
0: Laughing aside... Stunt riding in front of the camera is incredibly dangerous and difficult, requiring a near superhuman combination of preparation, planning, ability, and split second reflexes.
1: Yeah, well, I remember um, how impressed I was with your uh, ability to do high sides. You know, oh, I, I still love them. Things. <laughs> yeah. And everybody hated high sides when we had it. You know, the hardest thing is when you've been taught to ride a motorcycle and the whole idea is to stay on it. <laughs> you go to work and they go, okay, we want you to crash that bike over there. And you're just going, this goes against everything that I have ever learned or tried to do. And right. uh, so it, it's very difficult. And you just went and practiced them, I think, over and over again. And you got to be the high side guy. And, you know, you didn't get hurt doing them either.
2: No, you know, it's, it's really funny. And they, they brought it up at my induction. They asked how many motorcycle crashes I've ever done. I said, well, you know, more than I can possibly count, but you know, more important to me is I made 312 motorcycle jumps around the world and I never crashed until I was paid to as can evil. And to this day, I've never broken a bone on a motorcycle. You know, I broke my back on smoking the bandit, but I was driving a car, you know, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. on a motorcycle, I've never broken a bone. So I've been pretty darn lucky.
1: (laughs) That's really good. Yeah. I've broken my wrist, but that was, I was supposed to do a, a low, you know, lay down into some hay bales and the guy who, he was just supposed to move over towards me and I was just supposed to lay it down, but he came way too hot, way too deep. And came in and, uh, went in front of me and I was starting to slide and I thought, well, maybe I can save it <laughs> the wrong Yeah, of thing. course. <laughs> and because I was going to hit him and I didn't want to hit him. And so I tried to straighten it out and it just high sided on me and my hand hit the top hay bale that hadn't been cut and it just broke my wrist. So, I had that
2: one early well, on. yeah, and I was with you and you had a lot worse one.
0: That worse one was an example of how quickly things can go wrong. During the filming of Yes Men, Debbie was performing a stunt on a scooter when she and her passenger were hit by an oncoming stunt car. Debbie took the full blow and sustained serious injuries. It would be nearly a year before she would work again.
1: When I look at all of the things I've done over the years, and I'm sure you as well, uh, we've gotten away with a lot of stuff.
2: <laughs> the <slightest>. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's no question about that. I've always said it too that I'd much rather be lucky than talented, <laughs> you know
1: yeah, and I <laughs> don't blame I don't blame the person that hit me i i wouldn't I don't want them to feel bad sometimes things happen, and it's funny True. because. Sometimes it's the things you don't think that much about. The big things, we're all prepared for anything.
2: Right. You know, at least when we're hired to do some sort of a jump and stuff, we have a whole lot of say-so in it, and we're one of the only things happening where this was a whole mix of people. I mean, there was a ton of us on the road in cars.
1: But, you know, the good part is I fought to get back, and there was a point where I thought, well, maybe I should quit, and I got a job like a year later, because I couldn't really work before that. And I my biggest worry was how I was going to walk from the Warner Brothers lot across on Forest Lawn to the the old Dukes of Hazard roundabout there. Yeah. At Warner Brothers. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't want to bring my cane. <laughs> so I got there and I thought, what am I doing here? And I got in the car, because I do a lot of car work. And then I had to pitch a girl off the, off of the hood into a camera. And I knew exactly how fast to go, when to hit the brakes. I pitched her right there every single time. And I went, I love this. I can't stop doing this. And I, you know, on a uh, lethal weapon, I just did a lay down. I think it was last year and it felt so good to be on a motorcycle. I love my job still. And I love to see Gary and all of the guys and girls out there that I've just grown up with doing amazing things with.
0: There's no doubt that stunt riding is a serious business, but it also nurtures lifelong friendships and opportunities to play.
2: We have a lot of really great friends in the business, don't we?
0: Yes, we do.
1: And whenever we get together, it's the bench racing and telling the stories. And that's what we all share in common with all stunt performers is we love the bench racing.
2: (laughs) Boy, that's the truth. You know, you weren't with us on a a movie called Night Riders. Uh, We did it back in uh, Pennsylvania. George Romero was the director. And I brought back 13 good motorcycle riding guys and we were supposed to joust on motorcycles, and um, and I built an air ram for this seat of the mo- one motorcycle, so it would pitch you off when you got hit by the by the ram and stuff. And our, what we looked forward to every day before anything was, I convinced the production company that in the movie business, as you know, we ride slower than normal, and we have a choreographed deal, and and you know it, it drives racers a little crazy you know they want to let (laughs) loose and so I said well we have to start the day every day by just giving my guys about a half hour to go out and play and just get in the arena they're just going to play and get it out of their system so they'll listen to me the rest of the day when I stage (laughs) stuff and oh my god we couldn't put on enough pads to be safe we would we, we played tag on motorcycles but you had to make contact with bike to bike you know and you know and I had Hatley and, and Himes and a whole bunch of guys, you know, and, and that's what we would do. We would all be spinning around, avoiding each other and, and play tag. <laughs> and we would, we would, every night have to be all taped up and bandaged up after work and none of it came from our job.
0: <laughs> that's great.
2: That was good camaraderie, boy. Good days.
0: Like most everything else today, Computers and graphics have made their way into the movies, including stunts. To pros like Gary and Debbie, a stunt performed by real people is still the best way to captivate an audience.
2: From when you and I were first starting out and through the majority of our careers, everything we did... Was for real. If they wanted a motorcycle crash, and they wanted to lay down or a high side or whatever it was, we did them for real. As things evolve, now the computer generates a whole bunch of other stuff. Or if you if you're called in to do a high speed lay down, they might add two cars to the scene that just leap over you. I mean, it's ridiculous stuff. And so I'm one of the only people probably that aren't in favor of the Academy Awards recognizing stunts per se. Stunt coordinators, second year directors. That's a little bit different, you know, because they put it all together. But stunt for stunt, I don't know how you can judge, you know, a stunt that has a whole bunch of augmented computer generated things going on at the same time to dress it up versus a guy who really slams the ground like he's supposed to. I'm one of the only stunt guys who never speaks highly of that.
1: Yeah, well, I'm with you, and I think the Academy Award would be for the stunt coordinator or second unit director. I think that that's the proper place for that, but I really dislike all the computer-generated images, CGI AB2. we call it, and yep. you lose the people, you lose the audience when they think things aren't being done for real and we have the ability to do so many things for real and it keeps the audience in their seat because my sister likes to say who's also a stunt woman and motorcycle rider that when Pocahontas in the Disney movie stands at the top of the waterfall, and then she dives off, and it's like 100, 200 feet. Nobody goes, it's because it's not real. (laughs) Right. And, And then, unfortunately, because of the amount of CG being used in this world today, things that you actually did for real, People go, oh, that was CG. And go, hey, it was not. (laughs) This is the real deal. And it's a shame because that's one of the great things about getting pulled into a story. And I think that people are being pulled out of the story by all this computer-generated imagery.
2: I absolutely agree. If we'd have had the ability to do all that then when I doubled evil in Viva Knievel, I'm sure I wouldn't have got to do the big wreck. And... As frightened as I was through that whole mess, it was real. I hit the ramp at 80 miles an hour, I looped the bike over, threw it away and landed on the other ramp on my back. It was all real. They didn't have to add anything. And you know, as well as I do, I could have slid forever on my back and just wore holes in the leathers, but it calls for him getting hurt. So I dug my heels in and then, then the real wreck was on. I was foot flopping across the field with the bike. I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of the things that you've had to do because we do them for real.
1: Yeah, there's a big difference. And, you know, uh, the motorcycling taught us so much about how to analyze everything. And I use it in basically all of my stunts. You got to know your track. You got to know where you're going to go, which is the trajectory of everything. And the lines that you're going to take are very critical when you're on a movie or television set because they start moving in C-stands and cameras And people and objects, and oh, we want you to hit right here on this. And then they
2: wet it down.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. We get it. We get all practiced up. Everybody's happy. Then they wet it down.
1: Which totally changes everything. But um, a a lot of times when there's a stunt, I will actually run the pattern. You know, I'll just jog the pattern. So I see everything that I'm going to see at a moving pace instead of just looking at this and looking at that all separately. I put it all together so my mind sees what it is that I have to do
2: that's the exact way to do it debbie and you know wherever especially when we're doing a big car scene when we're going to have someone cross over the line and go head on through traffic i mean i pull out all my toys first and we show it on the ground then we get in the street and we walk towards one another so that you you know how many times you pass someone on the left and on the right long before we ever do our first slow rehearsal right i mean
1: right and when we're that, talking about toys we mean our toy cars and motorcycles the matchbox. And I, I have always loved matchbox cars. (laughs) (laughs) I used to get teased for it, but now it's my job.
2: (laughs) That's right. I mean, that comes to my set with me. My, my case full of cars, you know, I have them painted like Starsky and Hutch for that whole scene. I have them painted like against all odds. They're all, they're all, I cut the tops off. So they had convertibles on against all odds. You know, I make them as, as accurate as I can. And if I, can't I at least try and make the colors match so that the all my camera crew understands that the blue car is going to go on the bright side of the red car and you
1: know yeah it really makes a difference because a lot of us are visual learners and I know that if I close my eyes and picture what I'm supposed to do and I can't see like there's a glitch in it if there's a glitch in it I know that I have to go back and revisit something until I've got it worked out. You bet. But then there's things that are out of your control, like what other people are doing. And that's where all of the racing comes in. So big time as a benefit is to have those split second reactions at speed. When you've done a lot of things at speed with other vehicles, motorcycles around, you have such an advantage because you're used to dealing with things happening all around you and in front of you. And it's just amazing because you don't even have to think About it. Your body is trained, your mind is trained,
2: and it just happens. I, to this day, when I'm driving around town and I drive through an intersection, I watch absolutely every direction at all times because I'm used to there being a bogey. You know, they call action, and all of a sudden, what is that? (laughs) You know?
0: Even for two stunt riders who can do it all, recognition of a lifetime of achievement by the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame can still be a humbling experience.
1: One of the biggest moments for me in my career, my life, my everything is when I was inducted into the AMA Hall of Fame. Me too. Yeah, I don't know that that would have happened back in the 70s or 80s or whatever, but I was certainly amazed and just honored by that whole thing. I remember going to the women's conference and speaking at the women's conference one year, and we all rode to the AMA museum. And I just spent hours looking at the Hall of Fame wall with all of the names and all the people that my dad knew and that I knew and people that I looked up to. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it out loud. I thought, well, maybe I'll be up there on that wall,
2: Aww. but
1: I never thought it would really happen. I didn't say it to anybody, but it actually came true. And whenever there's a fire around here, cause we live in kind of a fire area. Yeah. My, my medal from the, the hall of fame, it goes burst into the car. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm proud to be a part of that. It's, uh, yeah. it's a, it's a great bunch.
0: As accomplished pros in the world of stunts, Gary and Debbie are both happy to still be active in the business, and they'll never forget the bond they share.
2: Well, I'm mostly retired. Certainly on the motorcycle front, the guys who are doing the motorcycle tricks now are so far advanced in what they can do. And, you know, because the machinery is so much better and everything's just better. I've got a project working with Matto, Robbie Madison, coming up. We're gonna do some stuff and um, but he's the rider. I'm just gonna be behind him a little bit.
1: Until this COVID thing hit, I was working nonstop. I was doing matrix war up in San Francisco and I was in the country of Georgia and Thailand for Fast Nine. I've done Fast and Furious one, two, three, six, seven, eight, and now nine. So I'm still in demand because of the motorcycles transferring over into the ability to drive a car. If you ride a motorcycle well, it's so much easier to drive a car because you understand things like traction, momentum, suspension, lines, everything. And so as a result, there's a lot more car work for women than there is motorcycle work. So I've become known as the car girl in the business, and I don't want to stop. I love it. Motorcycling will always be in my blood, a part of who I am. And, you know, I can still ride, I can still do all that stuff. And I'm so grateful. I'm still still, so grateful to still be working at this point in my life.
2: Oh, no, it's been a great life for us, though, hasn't it? It's amazing <laughs> that it's gone by so fast, huh?
1: I know it is. It's, I can't believe it.
2: You and I were always the kids, right? I mean, <laughs> it would be, well, <laughs> Debbie will do it. Gary will do it, you know. And and I still think of myself as that, except that when I go to the set, everybody says, hello, Mr. Davis. (laughs) Come on. That's not right. Don't call me Mr. Davis,
1: you know. I always love working with you or for you or whatever, because we always, whenever we're on set, we get to reminisce. You bring your book of pictures, which I don't have, (laughs) and we just laugh and giggle and, you know, oh, look at this. Yeah, I remember that. The bond that we share from the years and years of doing all of this and the respect and admiration we have for each other's talents and abilities is, is really
0: amazing.
2: It's been fun. It really has.
0: When you've worked in the stunt business as long as Gary and Debbie, it seems like you can do anything. Well, almost.
2: Can you still do your headstand on your, on your trials bike?
1: I know I could, but my neck tells me that that's not a smart idea. <laughs> I might have to do it someday just to prove that I can do it, because I know I can.
0: Hall of Famers Gary Davis and Debbie Evans. Read more about them and other motorcycling greats at MotorcycleMuseum.org. On the Line with the AMA is a production of the American Motorcyclist Association. Since 1924, the AMA has been promoting the motorcycle lifestyle and protecting the future of motorcycling. Learn more at AmericanMotorcyclist.com.